Welcome to episode three with Nick Senham. Nick owns and operates a successful barbershop here on the Central Coast. The private studio is more than a barbershop and Nick has opened the doors of his studio over the last year to a huge number of community events. This is a huge testament and statement to the type of human Nick is. Nick is a videographer, photographer, Instagrammer, YouTuber and all the other errs. And as you may have already guessed it, Nick is an extremely busy man, and it's the reason this episode is split into two parts. As busy as he is, Nick always has time for the two loves in his life, his amazing wife Hannah and his adoring daughter Elliot. In this episode, Nick jams so much value in this short time, and his philosophy on being a dad left a huge mark on myself personally. Nick's number one goal is to have more happy moments than sad moments with his daughter Elliot. Such a simple goal, which I believe everyone should aspire to. We leave the episode on a great cliffhanger, which I'm keen to dive into on part two. But for now, please enjoy part one with Nick Senham. Dads Lifting Dads is a diverse community of dads coming together to celebrate our challenges and rejoice in our successes. It's about dads who know that true strength comes from vulnerability. And it's for dads seeking support and growth to become better individuals, partners, and dads. These are their stories. Welcome to episode three of the Dads Lifting Dads podcast, Nick Senham. Hey man, how are we? I'm good, how are you? Fantastic. <laughs> Great start to the podcast. Uh, fantastic, thank you. Excellent. Look, I just wanted to take the floor um, and publicly thank you. Uh, so last month we ran our first Dad's Lifting Dad's Night. And for me, that was a four-year vision in the making uh, and pretty close to my heart. So I just wanted to thank you because without you, uh, that would never have come to fruition. Um, that vision and that dream of mine and being able to share my experiences would never have come to fruition. So thank you. That's all right. I appreciate that. Um, like it's, it's all you as well. Like I just facilitated the space and I definitely back what you've got going on here. So, you know, it just two stars collided, I guess, in, in a way and we've made, made it happen. And look, there's, there's more to come, of course. Let's kick it off. Let's take everyone through uh, the Nick Sedum story. So if you want to just... Let's go. Um, as a dad, I kind of... A lot of my traits, a lot of my beliefs, you know, a lot of my... The way I am as a dad was shaped through my upbringing. Mm. So I like to start there. So just want to take me through uh, your upbringing um, and just tell everyone kind of a little bit of, about your journey. For sure, 100%. Uh, some, some people that are listening to this probably already know this story, but uh, I was uh, brought up in a broken home. Uh, it's, <clears throat> it's not as intense as it sounds, but there's experiences that I went through, especially with my father, that really uh, shaped me to who I am uh, and really encouraged me to find the person that I want to be. And this is not coming from a... I'm not gonna kind of dodge around things. Uh, my dad was abu- uh, was an abuser. He was he was very um, he was very uh, intimidating, um, very alpha, uh, and and 
also got to uh, put this out there as well. There's, there's a lot of things that he did do really, really well for me. Um, there's a lot of things I'm very grateful for uh, that he did. And I understand his situation and the reasons why he did the things that he did. <coughs> so w- what I mean by the things that he did, he, he used a lot of fear in my life to control me uh, and the people around uh, he definitely, um, when I was younger, he, he hit me, um, physical violence, mental, mental uh, violence, I would say, mental abuse, um, through things that I understand now, but at the time I didn't understand, of course. Uh, and kind of just to summarize everything in a way that instead of getting into like, you know, stories of what happened and all this kind of stuff and how it kind of shaped me where I am and it was a massive realisation is when I was about 19, 20, I was going through a lot of, uh, I was very anxious, I was very, um, I was very lost as, as a human being and I started to seek inside myself to find who I was as a person and it wasn't until I was about 22, 23, Hang on. Yeah, I said 23 that I actually stopped contact with my father. Um, but in the early years of being a 20-year-old, I was seeking inside myself, okay, what, what's going on? Why am I so fearful of older, older guys? Why, why am I so fearful to go after the things that I want to go after? Um, and, and all that. It, it all contributed to my upbringing as uh, with my father uh, talking down to me, uh, saying that I wasn't good enough uh, as a person to like the little things that he wasn't he wasn't directly going like yo you're a piece of shit of a human but it was things like disencouraging me when I was like say for instance when I was in year six uh, I wanted to play a song on a guitar I've never really played guitar much and and sing a song and I was so ballsy to kind of do that Uh, but I remember sitting at the dinner table and this is this is what's so crazy about moments in, in it's kid, in kids' lives for anyone that is a father. You've got to be careful of this because it can be ingrained in your head for the rest of your life. And I remember him we were sitting there at the dinner table, very vivid, exactly where we was. Uh, like, I remember it was an afternoon, it was like daylight savings, I remember it all. And he was like, oh, don't do that, you'd be silly, you'd, be, you'd make a fool of yourself and all this kind of stuff. And, and that really disencouraged me and I didn't do it. And, <clears throat> and then, like, I was a, always a very, like, always wanted to get outside the shell, get outside the box and kind of do weird stuff and express myself, but I was always kind of told, no, don't do that, you're good enough. Um, so then it led me to, it led me to when I was older, to kind of, I don't know, search myself and uh, came to the realisation was a lot to do with my father. And um, there's one thing I'll, I'll leave here as well is, is, is it's how your perception can be warped as a child to where you are as, as an adult. I, for a very long time, until I started seeking the reason why I was so anxious, is that I saw my father as a strong human being, as, a, as an alpha dog, like he was taking care of the family. I wanted to work as hard as him, and don't get me wrong, he worked hard, and I appreciate that work ethic, but I was seeing it from the wrong angle. I was, I was intimidated of him, so then I became if I wanted to become strong in life, or if I wanted to work hard, or anything like that, I would be nervous that I would be intimidating for other people. Uh, 
especially when I was showing up for people and like just wanted I, I just genuinely just want to be there for people and uh, he for a very long time I, I thought I was actually insecure that other people thought I was intimidating because of that and I actually found out that I was just intimidating my father because he was an aggressor he was he was intimidating like he was just an angry person so yeah, it was crazy how that when that pin dropped, uh, it made a lot of sense, and it just kind of over a couple of years, it's just all my anxiety and, um, and my my worries of being insecure has just kind of vanished, which is fantastic. So yeah, a lot there, yeah. a lot there, and I'm, there's a couple of things that stuck out, and I want to unpack mm -hmm. or talk about a couple of them. The, you said your dad did a lot of, you know, let's say bad things and a lot of good things. Mm. So was it a case for you, not just as a dad, but when you kind of got to that moment in your twenties of realizing, was it just a case of, I'll recognize all of those bad things, but also recognize the good things, take the good and leave the bad? Yeah, look, I definitely don't hate my father. I wish things were different, like I, like I really do, but the thing is, I always, even now, I haven't spoken to him in two years, I've probably seen him once, right, uh, and I still sometimes hope to this day that I could, I could reconnect with him and actually have a conversation with him, but it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen because I've tried to make the effort multiple times and I... I'm a strong believer no matter who or what, even if it's your mum, dad, grandma, partner, friend, if they aren't contributing to your life in a positive way or just contributing to your life, if that's over, overpoweringly negative, why do you want them in your life? It becomes a cancer like, and it will chew you up and it will fucking destroy you as a human. Um, so. The thing that I had to really realize is that I don't hate my father. I had to come to the realization of why he was doing the things that he was doing from his perspective, not going like, oh, fuck my dad, he's a piece of shit because he did this, this, and this, to, okay, why did he do this? Why did he act this way? And it's a clear example of it's how he was raised. It's, it's, it's just... It's just plain and simple like that, and and I just became peace with that, and understanding that you know that is the way you know my father was like my father's brought up, and and that's the way he kind of knows best. Like he, I know he did his best. I know he did his best to parent me, and, he, and as I said, he did a lot of good things for me. And but the thing is. It's, it's not always about just doing like, you know, what I mean by good things is getting the opportunity to travel around the world. Um, he, he showed me the work, uh, he showed me work ethic, which is fantastic. You work for something, you get something. Um, and there's a couple of, a couple of things there as well that kind of stand out. But what overweighs all of that is that negative shit that just happened. Yeah. That's what sticks in my head. And, and look, things happen. Things happen, people get frustrated, totally understand that, totally get that, and it's going to happen. You're never always going to be a positive person and positive parent to your kid. It's going to be some shit that your kid does and you're like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? Uh, but we also have that choice to 
react, you know, just like in anything that you do in life is you have that choice to react appropriately because you are, you know, you do have that choice. You have that choice to, like, instead of being reactive, you know, be whatever, proactive. Respond. Respond, so there's, yeah. There is responding versus reacting. Exactly that, right. That one, yeah. It, it, it makes me think because there's been some moments, especially not just, um, you know, in the past with Betty, so my daughter, but mm. re- even recently where, you know, I, I'm reacting like a four-year-old would react. Like we had a standoff in the car a couple of weeks ago because she wouldn't do something. So yeah. I just sat in the car for half an hour like yeah. a bloody four-year-old yeah. and acted like a four-year-old and yeah. wouldn't talk to her because of it. And then yeah. you just, it, you, you get pulled into that moment and, and it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. But it's also, and that kind of leads me into my next my next question and, and what you said earlier about how powerful moments are mm. as kids. So, you know, you were, you know, learning the guitar, wanting to play something on the guitar, and you just got such a, a negative response from your dad. Is that something that you're extremely conscious of now as a father? I would say, I wouldn't say I'm extremely conscious of it, um, but... I I just live without sounding sound too cliche. I just live in the moment that if I can make my daughter smile more than she cries, I I I'm that's me. I'm done. Like you know what I mean. I don't care whether that's just you know just tickling her or telling her a funny joke or anything like that. But if that can be my goal with Elliot, I feel like I'm I've won as a dad. One one as a dad. So. I feel like if, if I'm living like that, I don't have to really worry about those moments because we're going to have those moments and they're just going to organically happen. But um, yeah, I guess that's that's the response to that. Well, it's a it's a powerful way to look at it, right? So I I'm I overthink it. Yeah. So instead of being present in the moment with Betty, I think of is this the right thing to say or is this the right way to respond? And it's such a, a powerful way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Or, we're going to have those moments where she's going to cry and be upset and we're going to yell and kind of scream at each other. But I can outweigh those moments with the, with the positive and happy ones. 100%. And just and recognise that... And, and the reality is, right, we can't have good without evil. So they go, they go hand in hand. Yeah. It's just which one are you going to kind of... Which one do you want more of? And, yeah, right. and looking at it that way. So that's, that's actually a powerful a powerful way to look at it yeah I appreciate that and uh, it's that's the thing like we've had these conversations before outside of just being parents but we tend to overcomplicate a lot of things especially when it comes to parenting look this is no like kind of like flex on me or I've just got a very supporting wife as well and I think that helps a lot and there's definitely topics that we can go into about you know relationships and stuff like that but parenting to me whether it's because I'm just you know it's what I always wanted to do but it it comes easy because I understand that Elliot yes I am there to parent her but I do not control her life and what I mean by that is if especially when she starts getting older of course I'm going to present her with her with you know, opportunities, but if she doesn't want to play soccer at age six, I'm not going to be like, no, you have to play this, or 
I mean, encourage her to eat healthier foods, but it, it, you have to be the inspirer to your kids by not controlling them, but by showing, you know, you know, guiding them to the best you possibly can. Because at the end of the day, as soon as they start going to high school, or as soon as they start going to school, you have no control over their influence when they go to school. And this is so evident with, especially my younger brother and sister, uh, kids that come into the shop. Parents try and control way too much their kids' actions and activities, and it destroys the kids. As soon as I start asking the kid about what they love, they light up like a friggin' light bulb. They do, and 100%, and that's what needs to be fostered. So when, I, I totally understand that, so I always, that's one thing that, I, even more so about moments, I actually, that's what I put more emphasis on is, is not controlling Elliot. It's, it's a strange one now, because you know, she's just over one, so I kind of have to help her with like, you know, she's walking around, she's, there's things that she's incapable of doing that I kind of have to help her and you know be there for her, but that's that's all part of the time. Um, but if she falls over, I am Hannah and I know that if she falls over, we're not going to go there and just be like, oh baby, it's okay. Like you know, if she's like she fell over the other day and she busted her mouth open and was bleeding, I'm like, okay, well I'm going to be there for her then. But encouraging her to be like to pick herself up straight up after. She didn't cry much after that because we went, went straight to the mirror. What I like to do is I like to go, weirdly enough, I don't know where I got this habit from, but when she starts to cry, I go to the mirror and I'm, I'm like, who's crying, you know? like, And instantly she stops and she starts smiling herself. I don't know where I've got that habit or why, and I don't know if it's good or bad. I, I'm leaning to feel like it's good because you know, uh, philosophically I would like to believe that, you know, you see yourself crying and you can, really convince yourself, no, no, why am I crying? I can't be happy, you know, you know uh, especially in shit situations, so, I don't know, I don't know why I got that, but, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's just my philosophy on parenting, and if, if, if people are like, yo, I, I respect that, it's a practice thing, it definitely takes practice, of course, and it's going to test me, especially when Elliot's four, five, six, seven, starts talking back to me and stuff like that, um, but, What's your views on that? It's, I think it's again another, another useful, or it's another great philosophy. It's another great philosophy that, in, and you hear about it, right? We cotton wool our kids a lot. And I, you know, and it's not about casting judgment on other parents, you know, they do it differently. It's about recognizing that. Ultimately, you're the only one that's going to know, and you, to an extent, you don't even know if it's right or wrong. But what's right in that moment? So if that in that moment is something that is good for you and is good for Elliot, then who am I to say that it's the wrong thing to do? Exactly. Who am I to say that? Oh no, you should pick them up straight away if they're because different things, right? Different situations. If they're, you know, they're falling over and just crying versus if they're falling over and they're bleeding. There's going to be two different, 100%. two different um, ways to respond to that, and I think trust yourself that you're going to respond appropriately, yeah. and there is no right or wrong. There's just a way to respond. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a it's a great philosophy to the 
who knows? Looking in the mirror might be the world's worst thing for the kid, but who knows? Who knows? But like, for me, that feels right in my heart. It feels right in my gut. Um, but history tells, especially when it comes to cuddling, uh, if that's the right word, uh, children, especially when they fall and stuff like that, and always just kind of picking them up, they're going to start relying on that, and they're going to start abusing that. In a way that they'll do it on purpose. It's so evident. There's so much evidence out there. Prove me wrong. Like I, it just, I've seen it so many times. Uh, I see it in the barbershop here many, many times. 16, 17 year old kids come in with their mum. I'm like, hey man, what kind of haircut you want? Straight look into the mum. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying like, you know, the kid this or that. But there's got to be something where it's like, yo, you're 16, 17, about to come into 18, 19, come, you know, out of this world, leave school. When mum's not around, what are you going to do? You know, like, you just got to crumble up and go into a ball and, and you know, look, I'm, I'm just putting a speculation out. Like, just thought, think of this. When things like that happen, when they get cuddled so much, they're going to start looking for things. They're going to start looking to be fit into places and, you know, Maybe that's a direction for people to go into drugs and alcohol or whatever it is because they've been cuddled so, so much that they need to be filled when they're not around their mum anymore or their dad or whatever it is, their parent. Um, I don't know. I just have that thought and I feel like I want to share that. So if anyone's kind of thinking that, maybe you guys can look at it. Look, it's, it's, again, it's another... And another great thing, right? Because we constantly look externally for validation or for, and as parents, if you're looking at what that other parent is doing, it's not necessarily what's right for you and your family dynamic and your child. Mm. So we, we just yeah, and it, all you all you're really saying is just trust yourself and trust who you are yeah. and. Let that you know. Let yourself make a right or wrong decision. Exactly right. Let yourself make a decision. Yeah. You know, don't rely on other people to make that decision. There's no instruction manual to become a parent. There's there's none at all. And, and especially when you leave, like especially in early days, like yo, have a baby and then off you go, figure it out. Like yeah, there's guides of people what they've done, but that's their experience. Yeah. Even experts, it's their experience. Uh, unless it's backed with some real kind of evidence and hard evidence every situation is so different because every parent has been parented differently and their parents have been parented differently and it just goes on and goes on and goes on and goes on yeah. so I think like having sympathy for people no, having empathy empathy for people that are just trying to be parents they're trying to be good parents from what you can see trying to give their children more smiles and cries uh, more experiences and opportunities because that's really all it is you just present your child with all these opportunities and experiences and if, if they like to stick on one and and just get that out of life like why, why do you want more than that why do you need your kids to be unless they want to why do you need your kids to be a, a lawyer or a doctor or a you know a high paying job for the reason of just being a, having a high paying job you know like wouldn't you, wouldn't you care for your kid just to be freaking happy and you know no matter what kind of money or stuff that they have in their lives like if 
they want to achieve those things, yeah, you want your best for your kids, but for me, best for my child is, you know, fuck, as long as she's happy. And I don't mean that in a real cliche way, but I generally mean that. Um, If she's making, you know, 800 bucks a week doing the thing that she loves, and she's doing, she can, you know, and I'm sure she'll figure it out.
Mm. So if you don't go and do what you're supposed to do, or what, I shouldn't say what's supposed to do, but you, you want to do, what's the child going to think? Exactly. Versus if you go out and do what you, you want to do. Yeah. Because what happens, we tend to then live vicariously through the child. We push them down the path that we wanted to go out of our own fear because we never went down that path. Yeah. So, so we talked about Hannah and Elliot, but not formally kind of introduced them. So I guess I, I first met you guys um, after a bridge gap run. We, we actually had the run together. Um, and then at the end we went out for coffee and Hannah and Elliot were there. Um, and I just noticed straight away how passionate you were about your family. Hmm. Um, so you just want to talk about them for, for a little bit? For sure, for sure. And uh, not to be totally rude, but we'll finish on this one. We'll do a part two, for sure, keep that suspense. Um, Dan, um, Dan knows that we're working on something and Jacob just turned up, so I'm gonna go over there just quickly to that thing that we need to do. But I'll finish on that. Uh, finish on Elliot and Hannah, and then of course we can dive into other topics after, because you know, there's a lot to unpack. We can freaking talk, honestly, talk for three hours, but we don't want to bore these people with a million different topics, of course, unless you have six hours free, we talk about it. <laughs> uh, so, Hannah and Elliot, um, <coughs> how passionate I am about it. Sorry, that question. Uh, look, they're my whole life. Like, everything is just so important. I am so lucky to have the most supporting wife in the world. Uh, and if she was hearing this right now, she'd be like, you that's the way we live, it's just like, uh, Our relationship just keeps getting better and better, and, and, and you know, as a little bit of a backstory, Hannah and I have actually known each other since we were 10. Uh, we dated when we were 18. I broke her heart three months into that relationship. Oh, so I am. Uh, two years later, we got back together, got married two years later, had a kid. Here we are. So, uh, Hannah and I are deeply in love. We are progressively always just improving the relationship and marriage. Uh, and one other philosophy that I believe, and 100%, and it's not even coming from me, it's coming from someone else that I really respect, um, is that a child emphasizes the relationship. So what I mean that, let, let me rephrase that, a child as soon as you bring a child into a relationship, it amplifies it. So if you've got a negative relationship in the start, it's going to amplify the shit out of that. If you have a positive one, prime example is Hannah and I, it just amplifies it every single day. We love each other more. We have more fun times together. Sex is better. <laughs> it's more, it's crazy, man. Like, everything is just so much more because of this child. And then I think the next conversation we have because I think that is a massive, massive contributor to parenting a child. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, you can be an individual parent, dad, especially if this is you know dad's topic. But you know, if you're not supporting your your the, your wife or your partner that you have the child with, especially through birthing and especially through just times of need, especially the first year, it could really, really crush your relationship. How can we end on that, Nick? How? You've just dropped a big bombshell and I just don't want to end on this now. <laughs> no, we'll leave it on a high. We'll leave it on a high for sure. That is, yeah, wow. It amplifies it. It does amplify Having a child amplifies it. Like Massive. So true. Massive. So true. I know you're extremely busy 
Thank you very much for no, your time. Right. And I love that this has now become a part two. Part two for sure. And then part three, part four, part five. Endless. And you'll end up as a Joe Rogan. It will, yeah, definitely, 100 And then we'll get 100 mil to go on Spotify. <laughs> like, comment, subscribe. Nah. Yeah. No, thank you so much for having me on, man. Like, I really do mean that I back this cause. I wish at the moment, of course, working on a new project, I uh, had more time. But in the new year, we're definitely going to be effing this up a lot more. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Parenting is super rewarding, but it can be extremely difficult. I truly believe it takes a village to raise a child. It takes courage to share your story, and it takes strength to reach out for help. So I thank you for tuning into this episode. I genuinely appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Dads Lifting Dads podcast is not just for dads. So if this episode resonated with you, or you know a loved one that will get value from this, then please share it. If you would like to join our private Facebook group, you can find us by searching Dads Lifting Dads on Facebook. You can find me at Best Self Movement through Facebook and Instagram and at bestselfmovement.com.au.